And a three, and a two, and a one, and we are live. Live, Mike and Mark. Live and in living color. That was, that was a great show. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, was that that was uh, Jamie Fox and? Uh, no, it was no. Uh, the little bitty guy and uh, Damon. Okay, Damon. And, was. and it was like you know they would do like the movie previews where they go. Oh yeah, hey, hey. hey yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest one was Damon had got hit in the head with a brick or something, fell from the roof, and he thought. And he was heterosexual. <laughs> so he couldn't understand why wasn't they were talking all this and stuff. And they did that for like five weeks. I cried for five solid weeks. <laughs> and once they would hit David uh, Allen, Allen, Allen Greer, right? David Allen Greer. Hit him with stuff to try to bring you back. You better stop that. <laughs> and they, they come and say, well, that movie, uh, what, what's in the, uh, with the, oh God, she had red hairs with, uh, with Richard Gere. Oh, uh, woman. uh, Pretty Woman? Right, they was doing Pretty Woman, and they was said, man, that, that, uh, Robert's woman, she's kind of fine. So what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I hated it. He said, well, I thought she was fine. <laughs> but I cried. And finally, what happened? Another brick fell from the ceiling to hit him in the head, and he came back. <laughs> hilarious! It was hilarious. You couldn't. I that show so much. You couldn't get away with it. The little guy that was on the show that Jamie used to pull his pants down and stuff all the time when he was acting like that crazy woman. Uh, oh yeah, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his name. He was on. Uh, oh God, the woman I can't stand. Got to talk show in the morning. She just got a divorce from her husband. Oh, wow. uh, Wendy. He was on Wendy's show. And him and, and uh, I keep my brain dead, man. <laughs> him and Jamie Fox got into a fight because in one of the scenes when Jamie was playing the ugly girl, she was trying to do a massage on him, right? And he got up and started to run and Jamie tried to pull his underwear down. For real. He wasn't supposed to do it. Oh, God. <laughs> and they, they get into a fight off camera. Oh no, I didn't hear that. He talked about that. I was like, oh man. I said, you wouldn't stand a chance. You fall down to a drop of water. He too skinny, but. <laughs> he said, but they're cool now. Because he, he got a book that he wrote in his album. And he's talking about this. He said they're going to do a reunion at some point. Oh man, that would be awesome. It would be, but you know, how, how much longer they going to wait? Everybody's 50 now. Well, yeah. You know, and they'll think well, no, they keep reviving all these, like, old shows and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and they don't work. Just like, uh, oh, what was the one where the two gay guys and the one lady live with... Oh, Will and Grace? Guy. Yeah, Will and Grace. You know, I still love Will and Grace. That was a great show. Yeah. They brought it back this time, and it's just like, man, that's like eating pancakes with just pepper on No, it just doesn't. It's not the same. And, like, they were trying to... They were trying to, uh, I think they're doing a reunion for Friends. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's just going to be like a movie or something. Right. And and that might fall apart because 
everybody's mad at Jennifer because she's making too much money. <laughs> well, and that uh, Matt LeBlanc, he's tried to do like several shows. He tried to do a spinoff that Joey character they did a spinoff or whatever and it didn't work it's just like well, there's no original ideas anymore right and, and that's the scary thing because like my wife man she drives me crazy because all she watches black and white old tv shows i mean there's a divot in our sofa where she sits and watches these tv shows <laughs> and i sit up there and i'm like this wasn't good when it was supposed to be good <laughs> right oh. Because <laughs> we had one television that it was in my mother's bedroom. My stepfather bought it before he was my stepfather. He was just a man in the house. <laughs> right. And he bought it, and the TV stayed in their bedroom. You know, I was like, well, this is retarded. You know, it's on a stand with wheels on it, and we can't take it up front and sit on the sofa. We got to sit on the floor while you're drunk. But anyway. <laughs> Right. You know, we stayed outside and I used to try to negotiate like in the wintertime. Uh, it would be like, it would get dark like 5.30 and the streetlights would come on. Mama would say, y'all need to come in the house. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now. See, in the summer, we get to stay out till 9. And now you want to come in the house at 5 o'clock? That is wrong. Mama would say, don't let me get the belt. I'm like, okay, win that one. <laughs> And I swear that's the way my daughter Ashley's going to be. She does not. She negotiates everything. When we're talking to her about something, she'll say, well, what about this? Or what about this? And, like, I mean, she will She will literally negotiate everything to the point where you just have to say, this is not a negotiation. <laughs> go on somewhere. So you need to be pointing her to a law school. I guess, yeah. She, like, she could be like a... A hostage negotiator or something. <laughs> use those use those skills. See, and that's the good thing because see, what you can do is you can harness that and guide it to a place where she'll won't kick against it. <laughs> you know? I, I just wish somebody would have guided me. They just let me run rampant. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I have a hard enough time harnessing and guiding myself, so hopefully I can. <laughs> Hopefully I can figure out how to do that. Man, you do it okay. You you are one of the... I'm just impressed with everything you do. You know, just from a buddy standpoint. Uh, and I've, I've always saw, saw the best in you, even when we were working at John Carl Panay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah, you're just a stand-up guy, man, and that's what people appreciate. Well, I'm sitting down right now. But that's all right. <laughs> It's crazy though that uh, speaking of Jean Claude, that they're going through. Uh, you've been reading about they're going through their bankruptcy. Oh, absolutely! They've been going through bankruptcy for twenty-five years. Well, well, there's that too. <laughs> but like you know, now they're closing. I think like over two hundred store locations or something. Right. I think like 240. And I just knew they was going to close the 
in St. Matthews, man. They left that open. They I'm did. Like, Get out of here. Well, and I mean, that's probably one of the more profitable locations, I would think. I mean, in the state of Kentucky. Well, that's, that's sad because you can back up a train in that parking lot and not hit nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. I, I go past everybody on Saturday because I, I swing over to Coles and pay my uh, Coles account, right? And I go through the back and I'm like, man, I remember you had to go park all the way at the back of the wall up on the second layer, you know, when you came in there at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday. Oh, yeah. And, uh, the, whole, the whole ramp is clean. I mean, there's no cars on the ramp. I'm like, that's terrible. Well, and for one, I mean, right now, too, because of the whole COVID thing, no, I mean, nobody's going shopping, but, I mean, it was empty before that. That's what I'm saying. Right. You know, before, before Mark even rolled around and we started, you know, going crazy. But it just drives me crazy. Because I would go in there and, I mean, you could shoot a gun and, and not hit a person. <laughs> not even a salesperson. I mean, I, it, just to show you how I felt about it. I know how we worked when we were there. And if you saw a customer walking down the aisle, you said, Hi, how you doing? Can I help you find something? Right. Yeah. Man, I go in there and you can't find a salesperson. No, you can't. I, I asked a girl, she was in that middle counter in the middle of the store on the first floor between women's. And uh, I asked, I said, So where did it move the big and tall? You know, because I didn't get there. And she said, I don't know. I'm like, don't you come from men's too? She said, "Yep." I said, "So you don't know where to pick it Oh is. man, <laughs> it's I, not that big. I didn't care what when I was working there. I didn't care what it was when when somebody would come up to me and say, "You know, do you do you do you have this?" and they would describe it and the and all that stuff. It didn't matter what department it was. Like I would walk them all the way to it. I just know where everything was because I mean you work you go there every day you're and you walk around I mean you're just gonna see stuff. I mean because you know they'd see me up on the second floor trying to show somebody where the dishes were. You know I mean if that's what it took. Because sometimes you try to tell me you take the elevator up to the top of the stairs and just go straight. And for some reason they didn't understand. I thought maybe I was speaking German. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think a lot of places are doing away more and more like with with employees like mm-hmm. like I don't know if you ever saw it was years ago there was an IBM commercial that was out where they got this like the commercial was there was this like really shady character with these shifty eyes just completely stupid and he's going into a grocery store and he starts going down the aisle and he starts shoving things into his trench coat and every and everybody just stops and looks at the guy, and they're just like gasp, and they're all looking at him, and and the meanwhile he's just being the most blatant like stupid criminal you've ever seen. And then he goes to leave, and there's a dude standing out at the door, and he goes, "Oh, here's your receipt." And the guy walks out and takes his receipt and leaves or whatever. The whole thing is the everything is chipped, and your credit card is chipped, or and there's no need to touch anything or ring anything up, and. And I think that's I think that's the way things are going. Well, I just did the, the imports for Myers on my cell phone. I'm, I'm finally growing up a little bit. <laughs> so I'm, I'm signing up for this thing, and it's telling me that, and it may be bad, first of all. It told me that I can scan the stuff as I put it in my cart, and then just take my phone up to the counter, and then she will scan it. 
my car, not all the stuff, and it would add everything up. And I don't even have to handle my credit card because that's in my import thing, and they can just do it all real quick. Yeah. Next, they're going to have your bag in Well, yeah. See, well, that's insane. I don't get it. That's the whole customer service thing. It, you know, the whole classic customer service thing. I don't. I think that's being done away with slowly. Right. I try to, and I go to Walmart and Myers a lot. I try to find a register. I will walk halfway down the store to find a register because I don't think I should have to bag my own groceries and scanner. And pay you the prices that y'all charge. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not you're not wrong. I mean, you're paying you're paying the cost of every. I mean, everything that comes with it for the store. They're over. Right. You're paying for their overhead for their employees for the cost of the stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that and that ain't going into so much of their own product that you know they're only paying twenty five cent a can for. You know, and they charge you ninety nine cents for a can of corn that came from. You know, somebody's backyard and they put a program on it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. It just drives me crazy. Well, and I, I think, too, like you go into Walmart and stuff, they've, the one, at least the one in Fern Creek, I know they had the, their whole self checkout area had a big facelift. It's like mm-hmm. 10 times the size of what it was. Well, because they had never had any of the check lanes open anyways. It was always like 50 checkout lanes, and they'd have one open, and then they had this tiny little self-checkout section at the end. And and I find that the Kroger 2, at least the one locally here, like they've expanded their self-checkouts too. Well, and then they got the, the, the checklist thing too, so everybody's ordering stuff online anyways now. But... Right. It's like, where do we get the break? And it's not like y'all paying those cashiers fifteen dollars an hour. You know, I know better than that. Right. It, it just drives me crazy. But like you said, it looks like uh, I almost call it Stanford Field, the airport here in Louisville, like a Louisville International. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> That's true. You know, he's standing there in that little booth. Y'all have a good day. <laughs> How much are they paying you? <laughs> I need his job. I can sit in the chair. <laughs> I can't do a whole lot else, but I can sit in the chair and say, God bless you. <laughs> well, right. You say, anybody could just say, have a good day. Yeah. So y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs> Well, and what's what's going to be scary too, and we're starting to see it a little bit, is like with all this COVID stuff and all the the farming and food and all of the shortages that we're starting to see. Like restaurants aren't able to get all the food that they were getting, and grocery stores. I mean, grocery stores are seeing record profits right now. I mean, they have to be because everybody, nobody was going out to eat forever. People were eating at home for the first time. 
like ever. And I feel like there's going to be some major shortages on like meat products and other things. Like they were throwing unbelievable amounts of food away. I thought with the farmers at the beginning of the COVID thing, the, the milk farmers were pouring out hundreds of thousands of gallons of milk. Now, they said, well, they can't process it. That would cost more money. Then they can't sell it. So it's like, well, why can't they distribute it to these food shelters and stuff? And then they said, that, well, it's not pasteurized. It's just straight from the cow. So you, know, you can't get it without being pasteurized. But I'm sure there's a way that you could powder it and make it accessible. I mean, because when I was a kid, we were so poor. That's how we got milk. It came in a can, say USDA on top of it. And right. it was powdered, powdered uh, milk. You just add water to it. You know. <clears throat> so I'm sure there's other ways that they can do it. But what they're doing is holding the prices up as well. We're the only country that pays people not to grow food. That's so messed up. Right. So why do you think, why do they, why do you think they pay them to not grow stuff? They keep the prices up. It's called price support. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, they've been doing that since the 50s. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard people say that before about farmers that were getting paid to just not grow stuff. Absolutely. Like you're paying them to not be a farmer. <laughs> like, right, <laughs> right. And they just, you know, they get this check and they're like, okay, cool, fine. I don't have to buy a new tractor next year. Right. Oh, and who, and who wouldn't? take that offer like somebody came Absolutely. to me tomorrow and said i i will pay you to not go to work tomorrow I'm like well shit yeah you know you got a hundred acres we're gonna pay you not to grow on 40 of those acres okay sure that means i don't have to plant i don't have to hire no mexicans to come in and harvest this stuff he said me and mexicans sit on the porch and go fishing <laughs> work for me <laughs> you know right and, and and the corporate farms are just killing american farmers american farmers have lost probably seven percent of the seventy percent of the market. You know, I mean, they're just not getting even into the market because they don't have enough product to sell to like the Kroger's and you know places like that. So they're being bypassed for the corporates and they're being squeezed. I mean, there's one farmer, man. He lost his tractor and stuff just because he couldn't get a crop in. Mm-hmm. And he can't he can't farm without his tractor. Right, it was like a hundred some thousand dollar tractor. Wasn't like the one that Ma Parkettle used to have with the, the chickens ran on the treadmill to power that sucker down. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, these are the big daddies. Right. So that, I just think that's great. But I have so many things like that that I just can't tolerate. I, I hate to see uh, the way that we are squeezing the life out of the middle and the, and the lower class. Let me tell you this last summer, my Today I decided to... <laughs> I hate this, this white supremacy stuff and all this Aryan magic and all this stuff they're talking about, right? So I decided to just Google did Hitler discriminate against people with brown hair and brown eyes? I, would I got a huge article for Wikipedia. <laughs> I bet. Well, he was into the blonde hair and blue-eyed Aryan Absolutely. thing. And here all the people that were fighting, the majority of them other than his his private little Gestapo with the secret police, they were blind and blue eyed. You know, but all the guys that was out on the line dying were brown, brown eyes, brown hair, black hair and stuff. You know, and he was 
Right. That's how sick this stuff is. You know, here we got these people, and I'm looking at all these brown-haired guys flashing these signs, you know, and, and doing 88. You know what 88 stands for, don't you? What's that? They put it on signs. The eighth letter in the alphabet is Hitler. I mean, H. So H-H means how Hitler. Oh, I gotcha. And they have so, these on signs while they out protesting. You don't know what it says, but that's what it stands for. Hell, so you're saying there's been people out during the current protests that have had signs that said that? Right. I hadn't seen that. They got brown hair and brown eyes, and I'm like, Hitler didn't like you. If y'all do take over, they're going to get y'all next. I mean, it's going to be the Jews, the Negroes, and y'all. In that order. They're coming at us first this time, though, for some ungodly reason. they cover that to black folks. Well, I don't know what it what it was about the blonde hair and the blue eyes that he thought was so superior because the, I mean he's saying that white people are more superior or whatever he's believing. I don't understand why brown hair and blue and brown eyes would be. I guess any, anything brown is the problem. But it's the Nordic ideal, you know, like the Swedes. The Swedes are considered Nordic. The uh, the northern part of Germany, all of that is Nordic. Uh, Russia was considered to be like bastards, you know, and, and England was even considered Nordic. Did you know that Adolf's main goal was to take over England? I did not know that. Yeah, that's why he spent so much time. You know, he he wanted England, and he was going to set up his kingdom in England. Right. And was going to use England as a jumping point to go to America. See, the people, a lot of people don't know what the guy's plans were, but. I think about that, and I think about, you know, what's it, cause, uh, what's his name? Uh, Trump. So, no. <laughs> I, think, I, think he's, I think he's read Mind Cap like 25 times. He's been, I, I read it in something that he wrote some time ago. I've, uh, I've, I've heard that before, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he knows all of this stuff. And he happens to have what kind of hair? Well, that's not, there's that hair. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. That wavy, that wavy. What is the cone to the side, around to the top, and then down to the middle here? He's he's got some kind of double wrap around or something. (laughs) You know, but it just—I just look at this stuff and I say, it's like watching a cartoon. You know, like Wally Coyote. You know. Oh yeah. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) Nancy Pelosi is the (laughs) roadrunner. Meet me. But she get too old to run. They, we need to find another road run. Oh man, this every. every... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I just gonna say I get in trouble with everybody, you know, because I'm not a big bite person, you know. So I got friends of mine that just they had to vote for. Excuse me, don't tell me who to vote for. You're right. <laughs> I've been voting ever since I was 18. This eight election primary ever. <laughs> you know, who has have you not gone to the poll? You know, right. I vote all the time, you know. And I try to stay up there. I try to even, you know, educate myself to what's going on. And you going to tell me who to vote No, no, no. I'm a vote for it. I don't want to vote for it. Right. Y'all ain't bringing nothing better to the table. Well, so my, my problem is when people do not educate themselves, and then they just, and they're just voting along their party lines, or they're just voting... Just because that, I mean, that's the only option. Like, 
I would rather somebody vote for the lesser of two evils because of an educated decision than I, to just vote because that's what you think you do. You just you just vote for your party or whatever. I, I hate that. And my problem with black folks, you know, because I've been black all my life. All your life? Some, some people doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> One of my buddies told me I was a white boy in drag when I was 15 wearing bell bottoms. Anyway, <laughs> He was popular. He was popular on the black vote. You know why? He played a saxophone and talked shit. <laughs> 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 he didn't know nothing about Bill Clinton. You know? He went on Arsenio and played some, some Elvis Presley song on the saxophone. You know, he went by 40%. <laughs> But the second that he starts talking about science, that's when he loses about 98% of the voters. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and he is a very articulate man, spent his whole career in, in science and in government, you know, trying to do the right thing. Give it, didn't give him a chance in hell of a snowball. Mm-mm. People you know, don't, people just... Go ahead, I'm sorry. I was going to say, people just don't care about science. <laughs> right. You can't keep betting on the horse that ain't ain't coming in and, and giving a payoff. Right. Now we did better under Eisenhower. When I say that, a lot of black people get mad. You mean Eisenhower? My grandfather voted for Eisenhower. He said Eisenhower was dope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, plus he was for civil rights, and he put the soldiers. See, people don't forget, they forget stuff like Eisenhower sent soldiers down to let the black people go to school down in Mississippi or Alabama, one of them states, you know, and put the troops down there to make sure that these little girls can get in school. You know, people, well, the Republican, no, they, the Republican was your party. Until uh, Nixon put the, uh, it's called the Southern Strategy that Nixon put in place. And, and that, that changed everything. Because all the Democrats, if you go back, in the 50s, the 40s, and the 30s, the Democrats were George Wallace. You, you, you ever heard of him? I've heard of he him, yeah. Governor, he was governor of Alabama, one of the biggest segregationists ever. Most of the segregationists were Democrats. Republicans were for 
black folks. See, black people are really conservative. Right. You know, all they want is a house, <laughs> a car, a good job, and the ability to go work and come home and be safe. That's right. all they want. And for the government to keep out of their business. Oh my God! Did you? Twenty million, at least twenty million people are on welfare. Yeah, and there's only thirty million black people. <laughs> we know the majority of people on welfare are white folk. Right, but that's not the narrative. No, you know, and they talk about there used to be a thing they call it the welfare Cadillac. Okay, okay. they said that if you go into any of the projects in America, you will find a black man with a Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's the only time you will see the cat. Like, you ain't see the cat like the rest of the month. <laughs> he was just visiting. <laughs> ain't no welfare mothers driving no Cadillacs. No. Mm-mm. They ran dark. <laughs> did, you, did you hear what, I mean, it's a different subject, but did you hear about what Mitch McConnell said? What? He, he, about, oh God. He had said that, uh, he had said, and this is paraphrasing, but but basically that we had paid for the sins of slavery by electing Obama as president. Right, right, right. See, the only reason Obama got to that point was because rich white folks liked him. <laughs> it ain't got nothing to do with us putting him in office because it, it wasn't the votes of the African Americans that got him elected. He mm-hmm. was handpicked. And, and given the slate, and everybody fell in line. Obama, and I ain't got nothing bad to say about him, but I ain't got a whole lot of good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he did a nice job. He he didn't rock the boat. Now, he killed a whole bunch of people over in the Middle East. He did do girls. that. You know, and folks don't talk about that. No. You know, all, all the lives, little kids and stuff that got killed during that that whole thing where he was saying, well, we didn't go to war. Well, no, he was sitting in the. He was the only person who had the right to sit in the bunker. He was sitting in the bunker and they were watching that stuff on the video, you know. And he, but, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing because every one of them that that's not a one. You know, I'm 68. I've been watching this stuff since 1952, and and I've been studying it all my life because I, I love journalism and I love politics. You know, none of them have done all this fantastic stuff that we keep attributing to them. You know, they can't do nothing with the House of Representatives, can't do nothing without the Senate. Right. Period. You know, and they can't do nothing without the money. Uh, right, and we know that the ones that are holding all the money are the ones that are really calling the shots. Absolutely. Because the poor man ain't going to get elected president. Nope. It ain't going to happen. You know, if you were poor, you wasn't poor when you got ready to run, like Mitch. Right. Mitch worth forty. What is he worth? Forty-eight million dollars now. Something like Mitch, that. He, 
He's been in the Senate for 40 years. You gonna tell me Mitch made a million dollars a year while he was a senator? <laughs> no. I, I got a feeling there's all sorts of lobbyists and special interests that have been lining his you know what pocket. Yes, sir. And, and I am a conspiracy theorist. I mean, don't, don't, don't let that escape you. <laughs> right. <laughs> I am a conspiracy theorist. I have a bunch of theories about what happens in the world today. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't tell them all because they would take me off to a place that they call the funny farm and ain't nothing funny about it. <laughs> <laughs> and lock you up. <laughs> but it's just it's just crazy though what what he had said he had gotten he had just gotten to a lot of heat from it Mitch I just can't believe that he's still like in office like how he's lasted this long is just insane man I was looking at some polling today see I ain't got nothing to do I ain't got no job <laughs> <laughs> I just sit at my desk all day just go through stuff there was some polling today. I was looking at some polling maps and it's amazing to me 65% Republicans voted for Mitch in, in Kentucky. Mm. I mean, 65% of the electorate in Kentucky are Republicans. Yeah. And they voted They voted for Mitch. I mean, you know, I think the Democrats, it was like 45% or something voted for, uh, 40, 42%, something like that, voted for <clears throat> the Democratic challenger here. I mean, he's never going to lose. And I'm looking at the map. It's crazy what Montana and Dakota and Iowa and, and states that, you know, you can look at it and see that they all are majority Caucasian states, even though most of the states aren't that way. <laughs> if you really look at it, right. we, just have, we just have majorities in some of the major cities. Yeah, that's why you'll never get a Republican mayor here in Louisville. You know, because Louisville is a Democratic city, period. Right, it is. And we... And we had the highest percentage of blacks in any city in, in, in the state. But I was reading this poll. It was Microsoft poll, if, if you want to take a look at it later. But it's just interesting, man. I was looking at these states, and then I looked, looked back at the, the – they break it down into uh, race, schooling, economics, you know, and stuff, and, and just the numbers. And you look at it now, the, they got Biden ahead in the popular vote. But in the, uh, what did they call it thing again? The college, electoral the electoral college. college, yeah. Yeah. Trump is still ahead, even though they got polling that says that he's down to 42% in, in most of the polls now, which would give, what you must call it, 58%. But it would make no difference because Hillary out, uh, uh, got, what, 300,000 more votes than Donald got, and Donald still won the electoral. Right. Well, it's like when, uh, like when Gore was running. Uh, you know, he had the popular vote, but, mm -hmm. you know, was that Bush was running against him? He yeah, ended up winning. Bush. And then, like, Hillary had the popular popular vote against Trump. Because there's no way that Trump was going to... I mean, fit, way fit beyond 50% of Americans were thinking Trump was batshit crazy. Right. And there was no way that he was going to win. But it's that electoral college again. Right, and they, they got it all set up. They have done this gerrymandering. They have got this down to a fine. They spent, they spent billions of dollars to see how to fix these elections and how to set stuff up, you know, to back these opponents. And they got the states where no matter what the popular vote is, if they could get 
three of these big states to go for their candidate, there's no way they can lose their electoral vote. Right. It's crazy. It's crazy. Does I'm it... still going to vote because my, I think my vote makes a difference and I figure like this, if I don't vote, I can't bitch. Right. Well, and, and, mo- and not enough people vote. Mm-hmm. Not anywhere oh. near enough people vote. Oh, 96,000 black people didn't vote in one of the states. Well, and that's higher num- there's higher numbers than that that didn't vote. That drives me crazy. It's because people don't think that their vote matters. People don't think that it makes a difference, I think. Or, and some pe- or maybe some people are just apathetic and just don't care. They're apathetic, they're ignorant, and they have been taught that their vote doesn't make a difference. Right. See, they didn't learn it. Somebody taught them that their vote didn't make a difference. Because if they were voting, they would have known that their vote makes a difference. Right. <laughs> And that's how you learn that your vote makes a difference, by voting. If you don't vote, then somebody's teaching you that it doesn't make a difference. Because you don't have any evidence to prove that, to be fact. Right. I wouldn't mind them getting rid of the whole electoral college thing, though. I know on the, you know, on the Republican side, I know it's all or nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, think that's a, I think that's problematic. You know why the electoral college was set up, don't you? Uh, why is that? It was set up to keep, because there was huge population in New York, there was huge population in the middle of the Virginia states, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, all up in there. And then, before California them came in, they came up to Electoral College so that New York would make the decisions. So mm-hmm. they appointed X amount of votes to each state. And that way, it depends on but states you win, they count all of that up instead of counting up all the popular votes. Because the popular votes in New York would have got a Democrat or back in those days a Republican elected all the time. That's true. I and guess they it... changed it. I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead. They changed it in order to try to make it fair and equal. Right. But as the, as the nation got bigger, it doesn't work. You know, because the population now is spread from the 13 colonies to the 24 colonies, to 28, to 32, and now to 50. You know, that electoral college, when they started under the first Continental Congress, is no longer applicable. Mm. Look at me throw out applicable. (laughs) 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 Using using them big words. (laughs) You speak so well. That's right. So well spoken. Chris Rock said, there you go, vote for it. Colin Powell. All they can say is that he He just says it. He just says it how he sees it. I mean, man, Chris said, Chris said, if you find yourself on Martin Luther King Boulevard in any city in America after twelve o'clock, you are in the wrong damn place. (laughs) (laughs) And he telling the God awful truth. (laughs) They need to change Martin Luther King. Something else. (laughs) Boy, Avenue. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Did you did you hear and I and I know this was not a mistake. This was not Uh-oh. a coincidence. But did you read about where Trump and when Trump was going to start his rally? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I don't understand why they call it June Juneteenth, but you know who writes the speech, don't you? Who? Stephen Miller. Okay. Who is a right wing white supremacist since he was fifteen? Okay. Well, it's making a little bit more sense. Okay. Now, where are they having it? Tulsa, Oklahoma. Right, the site of a large massacre. That is the only city in the United States history on the North American continent that has been bombed from the air by its own citizens. Now people will say, well, Pearl Harbor, I said, on the North American continent. Right. Pearl Harbor was bombed from by enemies, the Japanese. But Tulsa, Oklahoma was bombed from the air by white people, destroyed a whole community, which at that time was the richest community in the black America. It had Wall Street, it had its own bank. The people went out there, they got their house through the Oklahoma, Oklahoma land rush. You go out there and you find land for a dollar, you put a sign in there, and they build a city. And they bombed this city from the air they hung people, they burned down all their homes, and it was just lynching everything. And now they're going to have this Republican convention there on Juneteenth, which is the day that everybody thinks well, African Americans liberated with the Emancipation Proclamation. Boulder Dash. I like that word too. Boulder Dash. Yes. The Emancipation Proclamation did only one thing and one thing only. If you fought for the Union Army, you would be free. That's it. Didn't free nobody else. If you fought for the Union Army during the Civil War and 200,000 black slaves ran and joined the military and helped them defeat the Confederacy. Otherwise, the North would have lost. And you can look that up. Okay? Now, Juneteenth 15 is the actual day that a bill was passed free and slave in America. It's going to have this thing on June 10th, the 15th, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the place where the largest massacre of black people ever happened, because somebody lied and said this little boy touched this white woman coming out of the bank. What? That's and just... white supremacist is, white, is right in the speech? That's crazy. Sound like wolf whistles to me. Yeah. Well, and who and what is the rationality? Like, I wonder what they're saying that makes them think that it's okay to do that. Like, I don't, uh, I don't understand their that mindset at all. It's just wolf whistle. It's just a sign. Look, y'all. Look what we can do now. Look what we can do. We got the power to go out here, and we're gonna talk about these Negroes. I started to say the other word, and we're gonna let them know that we've done it once. We'll do it again. That's what the messaging is. Right. It's just crazy to me, like, the blind following of this man. Like, it doesn't matter what he says or what he does. It just, like, they they, they make the most crazy excuses. Like, like I had seen, I had posted the other day, and somebody commented, just like, you know, go Trump and all that stuff. But it was about, he had, he had tweeted about that 75-year-old man in, in Buffalo that had been pushed right, right. by those officers... Well, and, and he fell down, and he busted his head open on the ground, and he was bleeding, and like that, and they didn't even like help him. They just kept walking on. And he had tweeted that he was some sort of a provocateur, 
provocateur, and how he was somehow associated with Antifa, which is a peaceful protesting group dissenting against fascism. But anyways, I digress. He, uh... He says that he was, uh, maybe he had some kind of a scanner interfering with the police work or something. Right. And, and he was, and, and, and then he, he says this, like he's a grown man who tweets this, right. who right. says the most crazy thing. And then people still say, go Trump, go America. Like, I just, you heard, you heard what he said. He, this was one of his first speeches or something. He said, I can go out here and shoot somebody on the middle of Fifth Avenue when nobody do nothing. Nobody care. And I believe it. Absolutely. I, you know, I thought maybe before it was an exaggeration, but I, I see that it is not. Nope. Tough line, man. Rolls right off of it. You know, but these people, he has bitten into, they used to call it the, si- the silent majority. You know, the white people that weren't being heard. The government is catering to these black people and these Jews, not catering to us poor white people. You know, it's terrible. We got the jobs, but they coming on our jobs and stuff. They're taking food out of our mouths. And that's the, that's the big complaint, you know. Is we affecting everybody's life, you know. And that's what they sell. And now they have a voice. And he has even faked them out to let them, let them think that he is somehow religious. Oh my God! They're comparing him to Christ. Yeah, yeah. I've seen a picture that somebody had on social of Trump sitting at his his desk at like the Oval Office, and there's this picture of mm-hmm. Jesus superimposed behind him, like as if he's he's helping him write some something on a piece of paper, like as if he was working through him. Mm-hmm. But even when he went like when he when he went and take, took that picture in front of that church. Uh, right. And he had that Bible that he was brandishing, holding up in the air. And right. some one of the j- journalists had asked him, "Is that your Bible?" And he was like, "It's a Bible." And I know I wouldn't think he. You. Go ahead. Let me ask you a quick question: If you were reading your Bible and you saw in the Bible one eleven Corinthians, how would you say it if you were to bring it up in, in a talk? I I I don't know. Right, well, um, Corinthians chapter eleven. I gotta say ignorance on that one. I'm not. I'm not 100 okay, percent sure what it says. Right. Well, what they would say, whoever had it, they were they were reading it out of a book. They would say, First Corinthians chapter eleven. Jesus said, you know. Da, right. Da, da, yeah, da, yeah, da. yeah. He said, one Corinthians. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. Like how, like what the classical way to say it would be, like. Like turn, yeah. like turn, turn your Bibles to First Corinthians chapter right. blah blah verse twenty three. Right. Yeah. And he's on National TV. He said, "In one Corinthians, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I learned First Corinthians in, in Bible school." <laughs> right. Well, I you know, yeah. He well, and he said it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, he had just said on an interview they had they had asked him like what he thought his favorite verse was, like what, and he just kind of hummed and hawed and said it was personal and and you know he mm-hmm. wouldn't want to get into what his favorite. I just don't right. think he would even right. know it honestly. Right. See, and it would be so easy to just say uh, it's in the Book of Genesis, chapter one. <laughs> right. 
Right. And I, I don't even care if he were to come out and say he doesn't believe or doesn't read the Bible. Like, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't. Like, that's his that's his deal. Faith is a personal thing. But for him to brandish the Bible as though it were some kind of, like, weapon. But see, that's where his power base is. His power base is evangelical. They see him as being an honorable, God-fearing man. Right. Well, shit. Even Pat Robertson. Pat Robertson. Pat fucking Robertson had even said had even said about about him calling upon the uh, insurrection act or whatever even he had said you just can't do that and I'm right. just like Pat Robertson like that's when you know shit is getting crazy see and he's losing he's losing some of his folk in the Republican party because they're starting to think now that they're going to lose the senate so if they lose the senate the senate will be able to override everything coming out of the house Right, and hopefully have enough to throw veto on top of anything that Donald does. But they're also scared that Donald might lose. So think if they lose the Senate and the presidency, right? They'll roll back every one of these things he's done. That it's all the executive acts. Bye bye. All that money going to the his rich brothers and cousins and nephews and nieces. Bye bye. You know they'll start putting all that stuff back in there. Now they won't go as far as Bernie was willing to go. No. Because they still are in bed with rich folks, too. Only person who ain't in bed with rich folks was Bernie. Right. See, the Democrats, and, and, and Biden, I'm going to say this one thing about Biden real quick. I just got to say because it's just stirring in my head. Biden developed all these laws, the anti-crime laws, the anti-drug laws, that put all these black folks in prison smoking a joint mm. maybe snorting snorting a lime one day you know for people going into these houses with no knock warrants oh yeah but for drug stuff this all happened under joe biden's watch while he was a 40-year senator you know and then when he was with obama he came out with this crime bill now until he owned up to that i'm upset with right but i'm still gonna vote for one because there's no other option. Y'all ain't gave me no choice. Right. And I can't leave the country because y'all won't even let me go to Canada no more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're that border's a lot tighter right now. I know. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta quarantine for. If you go into Canada, you gotta immediately quarantine for 14 days when you uh -huh. go there. But and <sighs> go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Okay. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was just going to say that Biden reminds me too much of Walter from, uh... Hello, thank you. <laughs> I thought it was just me. No, he reminds me of Walter, and I can't remember that comedian's name. Dunham. Dunham, Jeff Dunham. Jeff Dunham, yeah. And I know I'm not the only one that has been thinking that. First time I saw him. <laughs> <laughs> he says what most men don't want to say. Right. It's like that ornery, ornery old man who's just cranky all the time. Right. Absolutely. That's Biden. I for what? <laughs> I lived with a cranky old man, white guy, for six months. Live in housekeeper. <laughs> the, the first day, he called me everything except the son of God. <laughs> 
daughter brought him out to introduce him to me. He said, who's this black fellow? You know what I'm talking about? I grabbed his little wheelchair, put him in the room, off to the side. Look here, you go. <laughs> we come out the room. He said, I like him. We're going to keep him. <laughs> I feel like a dog. You're going to keep me in favor. But he was cranky as all get out. You know, and, and I love people like that because you know what? They're honest. Right. They ain't gonna tell you what they think. They ain't gonna tell you what you, they want you to hear or what you think that you're supposed to hear. They gonna tell you the truth. That's why I like Walter. Walter just tell it like it is. Right. And I suppose to some degree, I don't know how you want to look at it. I think maybe even though Trump says a lot of things that I disagree with, mm-hmm. but you can definitely tell that he speaks what he's thinking. Like, yeah, I don't think that. I you know, think, I think he, I think he's the most conniving sob ever. He ain't he, most intelligent. Yeah, he is conniving. He is conniving. But it's like, it's like everybody else is playing poker, and their cards have glass backs on. Oh God! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And Trump is like, oh, I got this. I'm a right. I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> right. Well, you he does. He does. That's how he's playing it. Yeah. He ain't lost a hand yet. No. Well, he and he definitely panders to what his to his to his own base. Like, yeah, I know he's not. You know, he he's definitely conniving and he he orchestrates things in his favor. But then when he tweets and stuff, a lot of times he just he just says stuff without any filter at all, and he just lets he lets his cards show. He lets his true thoughts come out. And he doesn't care. He does not care because he knows. Have you ever heard of the Martins and the Koch brothers? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The Martins are richer than the Koch brothers. And they were his biggest backers. You know, so it, we're talking money, money is on his side. He's the only person that can go borrow billions of dollars in the bank that told him not to loan him any more money. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the Deutsche Bank. That's whatever it is. That's your bank. You know, and they still owned it to him. You know, he just has, what's the worst thing can happen if I do this? You know, that's how he works. What's the worst thing can happen? And I ain't dead? That's good. Now what else do I do tomorrow? <laughs> you know, that, that's how he thinks, and that's how good crooks think. My best friend, I'm going to tell you this real quick. My best friend, we grew up the same. We lived in the same four family flat. And when he was 18... He got him a job in the factory. He bought him a Trans Am with the little gold bird on it and everything. And he dated the girl that everybody else wanted. Now, two years later, I got out of job corps and needed a job. I got a little monkey job. And Ron came by. And I asked him, I said, man, we were raised the same way, single mothers. You had two brothers. I had one. I said, we have nothing, you know, blah, blah, blah. What's the difference between me and you? He said, Mike, before I did anything, I would ask myself if I could pay for it. And if the answer was no, I didn't do it. I said, man, I used to ask myself that too. He said, yeah, but your answer was always yes. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how Donald Trump is. Right. Can you pay for it? Sure, I can. You know, how many bankrupts has this man had? Oh, yeah. And he keeps going back and having more. He just keeps doubling up. Just keeps up. Roy Kahn, if you ever want to read a good book, Roy Kahn was his mentor. Uh, and Roy Kahn was a homosexual Jewish guy. 
who was the right hand of J. Edgar Hoover. And that's who told Donald, sue him. And they're going to settle sue him again. Eventually, they're going to run out of money. Hmm. This was his advisor. You know, and this guy taught him all that stuff, but it's a real good read on Roy Kahn. Roy Kahn, he was behind that whole uh, red scare back in the 40s, I guess it was, 40s and 50s, when they were looking for Soviets everywhere. Oh, were, yeah. Yeah, well, Roy Kahn was the lawyer that was representing the, the federal government, him and uh, Senator McCarthy. But he was Donald's personal attorney, friend, and confidant. Wow. I think that's one thing that Trump's got going for him. He's got, like, a lot of powerful people and money. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he got shit on everybody. Everybody went to Trump Tower. Everybody went to them casino. Everybody was with him and, what's his name, Einstein? Epstein. Epstein. You know, he has dirt on everybody. The only person probably had more dirt on people was the guy who did Playboy. <laughs> Oh, uh, what's his name? Yeah. Can't you remember. Know, yeah. Doc can string some people up, just drop a dime. Mm. I mean, I read something the other day, one of the Republicans said, the reason we didn't impeach him because we were scared of You were more scared of him than you were scared of the Constitution being torn apart. I don't get that. I've never been that scared of anybody. Freedom, rights, and liberty... It's probably my main motivation. If I got to die for it, I'll die for it. Right. These guys, they scared to lose their money. They're scared to lose their power and prestige. That's what he got over. You know, poor people ain't scared to die. Rich folks are. Right. Ain't that the truth? Because they're worried about losing their, their fortunes that they're not going to be able to take with them anyway. Right. Right. Which is why I got mad about the rioting and stuff last week. Uh, because... You know, I looted in 67. I looted in Detroit. You know, and I didn't get anything that I couldn't get if I worked for four hours at a store. You understand know what I'm saying? Right. If I worked for four hours at a store, I could have went and bought them TV dinners and that bottle of wine that I got out of the ride. You know, and that person who had that sofa on their head that was going down the street, you know, they could have got credit at Famous Furniture. And get that and pay ten dollars a month. This is the sixties, <laughs> right. you know. And you got these kids stealing this stuff. It's like if you had a job, you wouldn't have to steal an iPhone. They just about give them away in the, in the what's the name columns and stuff. <laughs> you know, you're stealing stuff that you're not going to have in two weeks. It doesn't make sense. Well, that's all the anger coming out in them. And blah blah blah. What? Only reason I was mad because the National Guard held a gun to the back of my head and all I was doing was looking. Right. That that helped me get mad and generated, you know, to go out and do something stupid. You know, and all my shame and all my anger and stuff came up, you know, as I was watching that stuff and then hearing people say, well, the reason they're looting is because they've been so oppressed for so long. What? People who are oppressed don't just go out and loot stuff. No. They was looting because the opportunity was there. You know, it's like, don't, don't make an excuse. And then I feel the same way about these statues and stuff. <laughs> well, y'all gotta quit. You yeah. gotta quit. You gotta quit. They're even you wanting know. to take Elmer Fudd's gun away from him. Yeah. Just it's like, why? You know, the guy at Castleman? Yeah. Now, Castleman, he 
was a military officer for the for the uh, Confederacy. Okay, but then this guy went and had a stellar career in the Union Army. An entrepreneur who built some of the parks in Louisville and helped set up the whole homestead. I mean, homes. You know, the guy who designed all these parks. Yeah. He set up all that stuff, and he was a, a, a philanthropist. Mm, thank you. He was that. <laughs> he wasn't a philanderer. He was a philanthropist. Yeah. So he, he gave up and made amends for what he did as a child. Are we not saying that people can change? Right. I don't get it. You know, that, taking away that statue's not going to change what's in them people's hearts who still mad about y'all taking the statue down. Right. Well, and it's been it's just a statue. Like having a remembrance of the shitty stuff that happened in the past. I mean, that just helps people remember not to repeat those things in the future. Like, I think not every and not every statue is is a worshipped monument. Sometimes it's right. just a reminder. And, and see, and it doesn't make a difference. But see, I'm I'm the kind of guy. I don't want a funeral. Okay, my wife. Oh, you gotta have a funeral so everybody can, can, can come to peace with your death. It's like. If my family gonna help you come to peace with your death, you in deep doo doo. <laughs> because I'm gonna be cremated, and I've already signed my body over to a company called Mad Cure. They gonna take me before y'all get a chance. <laughs> you know, I don't get it. I don't. I don't have to have a big elaborate funeral in order for y'all to feel better about yourselves. You know, feel better about yourself and not give me a call every once in a while, check to see how I'm doing. Right. You know, come by the house every once in a while. Well, thank you very much. You have paid your <laughs> <laughs> you have paid your dues to me by the way you treated me when I was still above ground. You know, I don't need you to come see me when I'm laying in the casket. Damn. I'm gonna make sure they take all the fat out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they... it's crazy. I don't, I don't have those kind of. I don't know. Some people say I'm not sensitive. I don't know what that means. <laughs> You're so insensitive. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Get away from me. Well, that's what that what I was told is funerals aren't for the people that passed; it's for the people they left behind or whatever. I like to help them, have, help them have closure or something, or make it feel more real or whatever. I'd rather be cremated myself personally. See, that's it, and, and that's what this company gonna do. Uh, the company that I signed up, they gonna cremate me, and they will take my body wherever I sign. And I told them to sprinkle me in the Detroit River, the one place I love more than anything. <laughs> you know. And my wife was like, I said, y'all can have a memorial, have a place Stevie Wonder, sit down and y'all can talk. And he was like, man, I said, y'all can do all of that. I'll leave a, a sweet potato pie for y'all to share. You just don't have respect for nothing. I'm like, you're pretty much right. I, I respect life a whole lot and people's lives, but <laughs> what, what are y'all doing? Look at all the bricks. <laughs> we can get the wrong quick. <laughs> I, I just don't get it, Mark. Excuse me for going off on, on a tangent, but you know that's where I live. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. I just—it's <laughs> just crazy all the stuff that's been going on on the news, like with the riot, rioting and the looting and stuff, mm. and. uh 
You know, and I've seen videos. I think that's here's the thing: people are getting so angry at the police officers and stuff. And I feel like, just like anything, I mean, there's there's crappy people everywhere. There's crappy police officers. There's great police officers. There's crappy people that that happen to be black and might loot. And then there's great people that are that happen to be black and are and are and are protesting out of like resolve and wanting to make like real lasting change. I just think wherever you go, there's going to be shitty people, and I feel like they're just they're just making it seem like police officers as a whole are just this great evil, and I just don't, you know, I definitely agree that there are some shitty people out there, and 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 some of these guys I'm hearing like the the the, the officer that killed George Floyd, I mean, it turns out he has a major rap sheet of of countless instances where people have been complaining on him. Uh, yeah, and then the Breonna Taylor case when they released the 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 paper, the files on this thing, it was completely blank. Like they said, the section that said wounds, they put in uh, right. Not, I mean, uh, yeah. What happened to the eight bullets that they riddled her with? Thank you. I'd but say they, that's a big systematic stuff that's been going on all the time. You know. I think, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a pro, there's a systematic problem, and there might be a training problem, and there might be a whole lot of problems. But I just don't feel like there's there's also a lot of really great officers that care about their job. And I mean, you know, there's videos out there of officers that are going out there and kneeling and protesting with with the other protesters and stuff. And I just think it's things are just getting so ugly right now, and it's getting to the point where it's not being helpful at all. Right. And see, one of the problems, especially in the black community, is that it appears, and I'm just going to say it appears, that the cops with the most attitude towards blacks patrols black neighborhoods. Mm. Okay? Because the stuff that they do in the black neighborhoods, they would never do in a white neighborhood. They wouldn't. Because little Betsy would call the first day. <laughs> Karen. <laughs> and he pulled me over, Officer Ed. He was not nice at all, you know. But ever since I was a kid, we had like, I don't know if you remember, you know, you're probably too young, but we had an organization that was within the police department. They were called the Big Four. Okay. They were, they drove a black car, Ford O. It was a sergeant and a sergeant and two detectives. They patrolled the black neighborhoods. They carried billy sticks. They had a machine gun in a box on the back window. Inside that little ledge in the back window. And they would ride down the street. And they would aggravate you. They would yell out the window, call you nigger, whatever, whatever. And if you said something back, they'd screech the tires and they'd all jump out and run. And we would all run. You know, but that's the kind of harassment that was going on all the time. You know, yeah, we had some good cops. We had cops used to come to my grade school every day. I mean, not every day, but, you know, once a semester to teach us about safety and stuff and show videos and things. And everybody loved this guy. I got lost when I was six years old coming home from school. A white cop helped me get home, you know. So I know there's good cops and there's bad cops. I got a bunch of family that's cops. Bunch. I even tried to get on the Kentucky State Police Force myself. You know, I love the job. I love most of the people that do it. But 
there are some bad apples in there, and especially in the last 20 years, when all of a sudden most of the people who are police officers are coming from a military background. You know, who they're hiring now? They're hiring guys that just got out of their uniform. Right. Well, he, could, he could be a cop. He, he already, you know, he can handle guns and blah, 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 blah. You know, it used to be that any kid that wanted to be a cop could sign up except black folks until the 70s. You know? So I think there's a lot of riffraff in, within the police department. There's a lot of KKK in the police department. There's a lot of white supremacists in the police department. These guys that got these training camps and stuff, they are military. Who do they train? Police officers. You know, so they get getting training to do what? To fight wars. Not to police. Right. You know, you look up the word police and it doesn't say fight wars. No. <laughs> you know, it's supposed to provide safety and to serve and to keep the calm. Really, the police force was initiated to protect property. Because most of the laws on the books are property laws. They're not people laws. Most of the laws on the books are, are, are property laws. Money, wealth, you know, stuff of that nature. But it's, you know, and once again, I don't think it's all cops. Okay? But just like I used to work with KKK's guys when I worked at U.S. Rubber in Detroit, when I left the plant, I took a left, went back into the ghetto. When they left the plant, they took a right, went out to Rose Point. Hmm. So, what do you think is like with all these protests and things going on? I mean, do you think that? I guess what do you think they're hoping the end result is? Like in your view, what what would well, be what would be the end result? Well, if they had an agenda that was delineated, you know, what what's your goal? What is your goal? Your goal is to educate, you know, to reform the police department, uh, to encourage people to vote, uh, to unite races together because we've tried to do it on our own as black people that didn't work. We tried to do it with black people and, and movie stars and Hollywood and stuff. It didn't work. So now they're just trying to unite all the people because a change has to come. The systemic uh, racism has been here since 1594. In America, I mean, it's, it's been here. There were more representatives in more black representatives in Louisiana in the 1800s that have been in there in the whole of the 19th and 20th century. Mm. Yeah, so that shows you that things haven't gotten better; they've gotten worse. Right. Our neighborhoods, like Detroit, Detroit used to be called the Paris of the North of the U.S. Because Detroit had, we had the manufacturing capital of the world. Nobody outproduced Detroit. We had arts. We had, you know, music. We had all this stuff. Detroit was a booming city with big, beautiful cities. You know, like when Detroit was first built, that whole way it's set up like Washington, D.C. and that spoke and stuff, and the way the streets come out like spokes in a tire, you know, all that was inspired. You know, but after the riot, Detroit became a ghost town. Detroit is like going out to the Wild West and, and visit an old mine. Hmm. And that's the result of the riot. So if all we're going to do is burn down stuff, steal stuff, and then go back home, we ain't going to have a home to go back to. Right. 
we need to make changes. We need to put people in office that's going to make changes. We need to change the laws. You know, I mean, there's so much to be done. In other words, Mark, there needs to be a restructuring of the system. And it's not going to happen if just black folks are doing it. No. We have to have partners who understand that the system's not working for anybody. It's not even working for them rich people. No. Because in every society that ever broke down, the rich folks suffered too. Everybody went broke. Yeah. Every revolution, the rich folks, it's just like my, one of my heroes was the Tsar of Russia, you know, who happened to be the cousin of the Queen of England. <laughs> 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 that, that's why they threw him out. It's like, are you crazy? You think we go around here wearing that little captain's cat on your yacht? That's like, no, there's no problems. And that's what's going to happen to America if we don't change. Because even if the rich people win, everybody else is going to lose. Absolutely. If Trump wins, the only people who win are people that look like him, talk like him, and like I was saying earlier when I was talking about the brown and brown eye, mm-hmm. when they come for them, who's going to be left to, to help them? Right. They've let it go, they've let it go too far. Yeah, it's. I just feel like there's not really an, any end in sight at the moment because everything is just so like volatile and angry right now still. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I, there's a picture of a guy who uh, was setting fire to this building in Tennessee, and it turns out he was outed as a KKK member, infiltrating the whole thing, trying to trying to cause trouble. There was a good program on the other night on uh, PBS KT, and it was about the uh, Black Panthers, and uh, I was a huge Black Panther. Mm. 
Angela Davis's boyfriend. You ever heard of Angela Davis? She's a black activist back in the 60s. She's still a uh, professor at a college out in California. I forget which one. They said her boyfriend was in Attica prison. Okay, Attica's a big bad prison in New York. They said he was Attica prison and he had a nine millimeter in his afro. What? They shot him dead in the, in the prison yard. I wonder if they ever actually turned turned up with a real uh, gun that they said he supposedly had. Well, yes, they had a gun. <laughs> <laughs> One appeared. Thank you. It was just like, you know, we knew police had a, had a throwaway. All police had a throwaway in Detroit. Well, I'm not going to say all of them, but the bad cops had throwaways. And a friend of mine said, <laughs> when the police say, all the rocks shoot, keep running because they're going to shoot anyway. That's an excellent question. There's no way. No, not so much. <laughs> not so you much. Know, I'm like, get out of here. And it was accepted. And, and at the time, Rockefeller was the, uh, the the governor of New York. And he he did the orders, you know, a lot of the orders against uh, that kind of stuff. But that's also back during the Nixon anti-black thing and stuff. Because... Uh, we made a bad name in 67 and 68, and the whole country turned against black people as a result of the looting and all the crazy stuff they were doing. You know, and we had all these different components. We didn't have a united front. I was anti-Martin Luther King, show you how retarded I was. Huh. You know, I didn't like Martin until after he got killed. So why Martin, didn't... I was, the, I was about fight. Oh, I got you. you. Martin, Martin was about turning the cheek. We've been turning cheek for 600, 400 years. Right. You know, but then after I get older, I understand Gandhi, I understand Martin, I understand Jesus Christ. You know, I'm totally against any of that. You no, know, I'm anti-violence. Now, you know, if I can do and change something and do it in a non-violent way, that's the way I'm popping. You know, but at the time, oh man, I'm Martin, I'm turning the other cheek. And the stuff that was happening down in Alabama that he was going to. So you, where do you, where do you stand with uh, Malcolm X? Love, right? Because he Love. was definitely on the on the other side. The right. until, uh, he, until he came back from Mecca. Yeah, see, this is why he got killed. Martin came back from Mecca. See, Martin had gone to, to Mecca because he was having trouble with Elijah. He found out that Elijah was screwing all these young girls and having pedophilia and, and stealing money off the top and living in this fantastic mansion while the rest of the people in Chicago were still struggling. And he's talking about black unity and becoming a black Muslim and blah, blah, blah. Everything will be better. You'll be my brother for us. And, and Malcolm started getting disenchanted. So he went to Mecca on a pilgrimage. He came back, he said, you know, I am breaking from the black Muslims uh, because I had gone to Mecca and I have had White people have washed my feet, and I have washed their feet. When I got there in Mecca, I saw Muslims of all colors, all persuasions, you know. And it was all about religion and love, you know. And he changed. He totally changed. He broke from Elijah, you know. And that's why he had to die. Because mm. he, he's bringing another message. He's bringing a message that was in between him and Mark. 
And supposedly, this is just supposedly, this is a story I heard, whether it's true or not, him and Martin was going to meet up. And it was the thing, they called it the meeting. The meeting was supposed to happen between him and Martin, where they're going to put their forces together. And that's a rumor. I can't say it was actually the truth, but that was one of the things that was going out at that time. You know, I think if they would have met up together. But he was killed either by black Muslims who were mad because he was putting out all the secrets, or he was killed by Ted Hoover's folks because he was starting to get more power in a nonviolent way. You know, he's still going to be armed, but he wasn't going after people. He's just going to protect what he had, meaning his people and what, what we uh, regarded as our freedoms. You know, but it's just interesting. You know, so I was a big Malcolm guy. Even when Malcolm was... My best friend was uh, Elijah Muhammad's nephew. Lived upstairs over me. So I used to go over there and read to Muhammad speak and stuff. I never went to the church. My brother joined the faith. He, he became a Jehovah's Witness. I mean, uh, a Muslim before he became a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> I, I love him. <laughs> but uh, it, I, I had to change because there was one place it was called the... Um, New Africa Republic, the New R the NRA, something like that. Republic of New Africa, that's what it was, Republic of New Africa. And it was a group out of Detroit. They wanted Florida, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, and Mississippi. Okay? They wanted five states that were going to have a new republic, Republic of New Africa. Now, the brothers in Chicago, New York, Detroit, Cleveland, Toledo, they weren't thinking about going in the South. And y'all didn't have boulevards and nightclubs. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't we didn't know nothing about farming. You know, it was a bad idea. Plus, America wasn't gonna give them their shipping coast. There's a lot of stuff go out of that those harbors in Alabama, <laughs> Mississippi, <laughs> Florida and stuff. They were gonna let black people have that. That's retarded. Right. What make you, you think that was going to make sense? Plus, there was no fat manufacturing base down there. It's like, you are crazy. But it was a lot of fringe groups, which also split the back the black opinion. So we were easier to, you know, disseminate and to discriminate against. Because there were so many different factions. You had the Republican New Africa. You had the Black Muslim. You had Malcolm. You had Martin. You had... Uh, the Southern, uh, I can't think what it is, the SNCC, there was another group. You had Stokely Carmichael, who was another activist. Um, and you had the Panthers. I mean, you had all these different agencies vying for the black vote, the black opinion. Uh, no unity. And that hurt. Because that was in 68 when we had a better chance than what we had now. Because at least we had intelligent people in the front who could communicate and speak to power. Plus, we had a lot of black. Uh, congressmen and, and uh, legislators. I just don't see those things being in place now. Yeah, it would, it would seem that there's not as much of a strong, I guess, public leadership mm-hmm. these days. Really, really anywhere. <laughs> it's so, everything's so split up. I mean, that's always been the M.O., you know. 
uh, as long as we can split you up, you're not united. We can take you piece by piece and eventually take the whole, you know. Right. Yeah. Remind me of that. Reminds you of what? Of a very stupid thing that I saw in a movie once. Since you think we're building Ted's excellent, most excellent adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I saw in a movie. I can't remember what movie it was. It said, this is real stupid. I'm just going to say this because first I want you to know it's real stupid. <laughs> United okay. we stand, divided we fall. We're tighter than pantyhose, it's two sides of small. And of course my stupid but remember something silly, right? <laughs> but it was it was in one of those movies like this, Bill and Ted's most excellent. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know they got it. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> this was this was gonna be like even this was gonna be even more stupid than than that was like did you know they were coming out with a Bill and Ted three this summer? No, it's called Bill and Ted Face the Music, <laughs> and it's they're old now and they've got kids and they never wrote the song that saved the universe and the planet. And so they've got to figure out. A, and the preview, it's out now. And they were and they were debating the idea of going to the future when they write the song and steal the song from themselves, so then they can write the song that changes the future. <laughs> now, there's no way they're gonna get the same guys to play the part. They did. They did. They did. They got Keanu Reeves and uh, the other guy. God, excuse me. I can't remember his name. That's awful. I can't remember his name either. Uh, and uh, and the, even the dude that played Death in the second one is coming back. Uh, oh, man. And what's sad is I'm, like, so amped for this movie. <laughs> like, I cannot wait to see this movie. <laughs> Right. Because I'm filmed all that entertainment. You see, I I, I want to be entertained. You know, my wife, she's trying to figure out all these mysteries and stuff and all these little bloody things. Up to me. I want to be entertained. That's what I'm paying money for, to be entertained. I, right. I ain't watching TV to try to figure shit out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Alex Winter was that dude's name. Alex okay. Winter. <laughs> no disrespect. <laughs> bums me out is that George Carlin he passed away right, he's not right. going to be in it man I would have loved for him to be a part of this so oh, that, man. I hope they don't try to like replace him or, or like digitize him in the movie in some way right, I, I right. Hope, maybe just honorable <laughs> mention <laughs> right unless they can find a way because every once in a while they'll do a good one 
where they can merge something in with a movie yeah. and, and it makes sense. Not like what they did in uh, Back to the Future 3, though, but, you know. Right. <laughs> I watched Back to the Future 2 the other day. I was crying. I was like, you are so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> What's so funny is in Back to the Future 2, when... Uh, uh, what's his face? The 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 protagonist, the Biff. You know when they when they made his character and that future Biff when he was like the mayor or some shit. He was some rich dude. Right, you know? Right, right. Do you know who the prototype they used to model that character? Donald Trump. That was supposed to be Trump Towers that he was sitting at. That was Donald Trump that they modeled that character after. That was who that was. And, oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. That's about what's happening. With the real with the real Biff in charge. Oh, you know that's right. Because Lord knows. I mean, everybody think he's stupid. He, he's far from stupid. He's slicking the baby that but He's ignorant. Oh, yeah. He's ignorant as best Because he thinks he can just do what he wants to do. Like, I'm sending the troops. No, you don't have authority to do that. Yeah. Oh, oh whoops. Doing executive order. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks he can do what he wants. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, they have given him the privilege. I mean, think about it. This is the first president in the history of our country who has control of the Supreme Court. He has control of the Department of Justice. He has control of the Treasury. He has control of the Senate. They got the most governors. <laughs> you know, this guy has huge power. No other president has ever had this much power. Right. And who you flaunts know? it so brazenly, brazenly, right. however you say that. Well, you know, it's like, can you imagine, you're three years old, okay? You go in to the ice cream parlor and your mama tell you all you can get is a spoonful. And the man at the counter says, Miss, I'm sorry, but your son is number three. He gets five quarts of chocolate ice cream. <laughs> you're, you're the three-year-old. <laughs> you get all the power. Right. You, you may not have it when you leave the ice cream parlor, but you got it now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's Donald Trump. Oh, my God. He's goodness. in the White House. He got all the power. <laughs> It's nothing we can do. We, the only thing we can do is vote. Biden came out today. Biden said, I'm sure that if he loses the election, the armed forces would escort him out to the White House. Are you really sure? You're right. That sounds like a good... <laughs> no. That, that wouldn't happen. You know? Now, they were supposed to because he's in violation of the Constitution, but he's in violation of the Constitution by anyway. You know, they ain't walking out yet because he can't hold the power. Right. He's fired everybody who would say no. Uh, they w- Go ahead, I'm sorry. There was a clip. They were, it was showing, um, it, I, it, was in, it was in my Facebook memories, but it was a clip of uh, from Fox News where they had shown where President Obama was going to visit like it wasn't North Korea, but it was going to visit with some other country, and and they were all up in arms and pissed off that Trump that Obama was going to speak with these people. It was like, how would 
how dare Obama go sit at the with the uh, seat at the table with these kinds of men and blah blah blah. And then they flash forward to Donald Trump being the president with him going to talk to uh, that insane child over in North Korea. Uh, uh, and how great it was that he was going to sit there and talk and, and all the diplomat and blah blah blah. Absolutely. And it's like, oh my god, this is so asinine. And, and, and they do it all the time. Everything they kicked about with, with Obama, everything Trump do that's just like what he did, Trump did it better. Oh my god. And it's, uh, it's so, it's just, it just makes you realize that those, all those media outlets are just, they're just a bunch of, it's just a bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. See, and this is all happening because of Reagan. See, Reagan passed a bill in his administration that allowed newspapers and any other media organization to print false stuff. The Freedom of Information Act. <laughs> Freedom from they information. Gave, they gave it a pretty name. They did. And, and since then, because there was no Fox Network back then, there was no Fox. There was no RFD. There was none of that stuff that's floating around. Now. We got a we got a news media that is sponsored by the Russian government. Huh. It's broadcast every day on Spectrum and any other of those. Conglomerates that serve us our media on TV, you know, it's insane. And they're right wing, and they spout the Trump message and stuff. You know, every once in a while they say something against me, just try to have some type of credibility. <laughs> and I, I watch all this stuff. Oh yeah, I, 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 I anymore I try to avoid it, but because it's just so much. It, it, there's just so much right now they could bring you down i try not to watch but but i definitely try to stay up to date on everything that's going on and stay educated at least i stopped watching fox but they just got too far they just they went i used to just like i used to listen to russ limbaugh and people say why do you listen to russ i said i want to know what the other bad is doing right (laughs) it's not too far out there too yeah rush went crazy it's never oh yeah sure did but it's never more obvious like when you're arguing with somebody and you can tell immediately when they've never listened to an, a single argument from the other side ever. Ever. Like, and there's just so much of that where people are arguing and it's like, man, it's clear you've been just drinking nothing but this Kool-Aid. That's it. That's it. Yeah, great Kool-Aid. <laughs> hey, I like great Kool-Aid. <laughs> the Jim Jones cocktail. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's crazy. I'm still trying to figure out when did the tobacco, tobacco uh, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms become an army? When was that done? You know, these guys, they they everywhere. They're arresting drug addicts, they're arresting robbers and stuff. What they got to do with ATF? Yeah. The other day I saw Trump has got the Border Patrol. They're making them a small army. They're giving them their own little branch. See, this is stuff that's happening underground and people aren't paying attention to. You know, the Border Patrol, they could be walking around with AR-14s and M4s. Mm. Why? To protect our, to protect our borders. <laughs> Why? Because we need a bigger wall. It ain't like, it ain't like Mexicans was coming over here with tanks and stuff. They was 
<laughs> well, yeah. Well, because Trump says that all, all those people coming over, that they're criminals and rapists and drug dealers and stuff. They're all his friends. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> he just tried to keep his buddies from coming back. Because they all broke like he is. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, the, at the beginning of the coronavirus, I watched the TV. And these grape farmers and tobacco farmers and, and asparagus up in Michigan, they were all crying. You know why? What? They couldn't get any they couldn't get any migrant workers over the border to come get their fruit that they've been using for 20 and 30 years. The same people, the families have grown up doing this every year up in Michigan because one of the first crops of asparagus comes out of Michigan. And these these guys are all going bankrupt because they can't get these people. It was already bad by putting all this stuff up, but then when the corona hit too, and then they put the cold border on lockdown, you know, now the people that had passes to come through weren't able to come through. Now, if these guys vote, and these mostly Republicans, okay, if these guys vote, they need to vote with their pocketbook instead of with their complexion. Right. But I reckon people are saying, oh my goodness. <laughs> and that's why you look at all the prices, all the prices are going sky high. Oh, yeah. Crazy days. I know it. But you know what? We're going to make it through. Oh, yeah. We never have water. Yep. Eventually, everything will calm down. Everything will, in the end, everything will be will be better. But, you know, I get, I get to the point where I don't have expectations. So whatever happens, pretty much happens. I get mad. I got my opinion. And I got, you know, my big ass mom's gonna say shit, you know, but I know in the end that I have no power. Right. You know? And that kind of leads me into the 12 step program, you know, because I do the first three steps every day. I come to believe that I'm unmanageable. I also believe that I can't control myself, that I'm insane. And I believe that I need to turn over stuff to the higher power after I identify who that higher power is. And I try to do that every day because that keeps me sane. You know, I rant and I rave and then I go to the bottom line. Is what kind of power do I have over this now? So what can I do about this now? So why are you focused on it so much? And it gets to the, the, the fourth step, which is, you know, to let that stuff go. I have a hard time doing that one. You know, I can do the first three, you know, where I can admit the powerlessness and unmanageability because I see it when I start getting the veins in my forehead start sticking. <laughs> you know. But uh, it's, it's, you got to have something to help you get away from this stuff. Otherwise, I'd go crazy. You know, I'd go. St- I mean, just like when I was a kid, I understand how these kids in the street feel. I was so hopeless and helpless and wounded. You know, the only thing that I was capable of doing was striking out. You know, like these kids, the only thing they, the only thing they can do is strike out. They have nothing that they are in control of. The whole world is chaotic to them. I'm not, I'm not co-signing it, but I'm just saying, I've been there. And the only thing I control, control was what I did. Right. And it goes back to, what are you willing to pay? And these kids killing these kids and stuff, man, that's just, I, I can't understand it. I, I, I never want to do time. 
No. Yeah. I would never do anything that could keep it. <laughs> I think I was a calculating fool. How do you mean? Well, see, I would do stuff. And like you, you read the article I wrote the other day where I was talking about <laughs> I've stolen at least 50 cars, but I never drove one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the man who drives when the police pull you over, he go to jail. I remember one time they pulled us over. And I asked the cops, man, how am I going to get home? They said, you going to walk. I said, okay. I was like way out on Troy Road in Schaefer, and I lived towards Grand River in the boulevard. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the wintertime. <laughs> my, my feet felt like glass by the time I got home. I thought they were going to break it any second. I bet. You know? But I, I, I just, I would take it to the limit, and then I'd pull back. Yeah. But when I turned 18, my car stealing days were over. <laughs> when they were just going to take me to juvie and call my mama, I could take another ass whooping. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't do no time. I was, I was just with that guy. You know, and all the other stuff my buddy did, man, I, I just couldn't do it. I left. From the planet of the apes. <laughs> 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 I was what was Caesar? I was Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm, I'm gonna learn how to talk and get some white people to like me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm a sick man, Mark. Yeah. If you didn't know I was sick before, you know I'm sick now. Oh, that's what I love about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this is a good this is a good place to stop. <laughs> now, if I wake up in the morning and it's a black car in front of my house, <laughs> 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 I'm the white one made me do it. <laughs> I'll get extradited back to Canada. <laughs> Man, it's always fun. It's it, always fun. It is always fun. So, this has been the No Parameters Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This was episode four, and we'll be back next time, and we're going to talk more with my friend Mike here. We're going to get into all sorts of other things. So everybody have a good night.